Hey, we're Jeff and Jackie Lynch. We're part of the ministry team here at Compassion Church in beautiful Danville, Virginia. We are so glad that you have found us. Here's this week's message. say you'll never forget where you were when you heard the news on September 11th, 2001. Neither will I. Here at the top of this tower, there's a huge gaping hole. I was on the 110th floor in a smoke-filled room with a man who called his wife to say goodbye. I held his finger steady as he dialed. I gave him the peace to say, Honey, I'm not going to make it. But it's okay. I'm ready to go. I was with his wife when he called as she fed breakfast to their children. I held her up as she tried to understand his words. And as she realized he wasn't coming home that night, I was in the stairwell of the 23rd floor when a woman cried out to me for help. I've been knocking on the door of your heart for 50 years. I said, of course, I'll show you the way home. Only believe in me now. I was at the base of the building when the priest ministered to the injured and devastated souls. I took him home to tend his flock in heaven. He heard my voice and answered. I was on all four of those planes, in every seat, with every prayer. I was with the crew as they were overtaken. I was in the very hearts of the believers there comforting and assuring them that their faith has saved them. I was in Texas, Kansas, London. I was standing next to you when you heard the terrible news. Did you sense me? I want you to know that I saw every face. I knew every name, though not all know me. Some met me for the first time on the 86th floor. Some sought me with their last breath. Some couldn't hear me calling to them through the smoke and flames. Come to me, this way, take my hand. Some chose for the final time to ignore me. But I was there. I did not place you in the tower that day. You may not know why, but I do. However, if you were there in that explosive moment in time, would you have reached for me?
September 11th, 2001 was not the end of the journey for you. But someday your journey will end and I'll be there for you as well. Seek me now while I may be found. Then at any moment you know you're ready to go. I will be in the stairwell of your final moments. Remember, I love you. You know what I miss? I miss 912. I would never ever want another 911. But I miss the America of 912. Stores ran out of flags to sell because the people were flying them everywhere. People were Americans before they were upper or lower class, Jewish or Christian, Republican or Democrat. We hugged people without caring whether they ate Chick-fil-A or they wore Nikes. On 9-12, what mattered most was what united us, not what divided us. Good morning, church. There's no way that we can be here the weekend of 9-11 uh, and not say anything about what happened. So I'm going to take some liberties. If you are a first responder, uh, would you please stand up? Thank you. Thank you, Steve Decker. I'm waiting on you, brother. Uh, could we please give them a round of applause? Thanks, guys. Thank you. Um, grew up in a very patriotic family, so there's no way that I can come here and be on this stage and not thank you guys for what you do uh, just on an everyday basis because it's what God created you to do. Um, do you remember where you were on 9-11? I bet if I gave a microphone to everybody, you could tell me what you were wearing, where you were, who you were surrounded by, the emotion that you felt that day. Well, I can tell you where I was. I was in a cubicle at CIT, and I had a headset on, and I had my computer screen, and you got to understand, in that building, there are no windows, and so my job was to call on past due invoices. Doesn't that sound great? Every day, all day long, asking people, what, what, what's going on? Why you ain't paid your bills? Okay, so there I was. Probably had a diet Dr. Pepper there. Probably had a Cheeto dust on my fingers. Probably was hating the fact that it was probably a beautiful day and I was stuck in my cubicle. So it goes a little something like this. Ring, ring, ring. Hello. Hi, Bob. This is Jackie from CIT. Uh-huh. Listen, I want to talk to you about these invoices. Are you kidding me right now? Well... Bob, no, I'm not, because see, Bob, if you had paid your bills on time, Bob, I wouldn't have to call you today, uh, Bob. And then he said, you have no idea what's going on, do you? And there was something about the way he said it. I thought, my God, I have no idea what's going on. And he proceeded to tell me about terrorists in America something that I had never, ever heard before. And I remember thinking, who do I call first? Who do I call first? I got to call my mama. And she said, I don't know what's going on. Lord, another one just hit. And I thought, oh, Lord, my. And then I heard about the plane in uh, northern Virginia, the one that was heading to northern Virginia. And I thought, oh, my God, my brother lives 
near the Pentagon. I got to call him. So I called him. He was okay. And then I heard about United 93 and I thought, sweet Jesus, this is it. We're gone. This is it. And I remember thinking, who else do I need to call? Like, who else do I need to call? I need to make sure everybody's okay. And you go through your Rolodex of who you can call and who you've got the number at your fingertips. And heck, guys, I was even calling the guy that ate glue off his shoe in kindergarten to make sure he was okay. It was just that kind of day. It's ridiculous what happens when you have that kind of day. We banded together as a nation. We did anything and everything we could just to be a part of it. I told Patty yesterday, that was my Rosie Riveter moment, man. I wish I had a bandana really roll up my sleeves. I'm ready to go. I remember watching all of the stuff that happened after, and me and my mama were standing on the couch saying, I want to be a fighter pilot. Don't you remember? It was a common mission. It united us. It was a calling. We couldn't seem to do enough. And it didn't matter what color or religion or who your mama was. None of that was relevant. Because we saw the pictures on the screen. And that was America. Period. The title of my message today is, you got to say it in your best Joey Tribbiani voice. How you doing? So I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, how you doing? Now, you didn't do it right. You not, not, nary one of you did it right. You got to do the, how you doing? Go ahead. Give him a little wink. <laughs> how you doing, Beth? So let's look at some scripture. Um, let's look at Philippians 4, 8, and 9. It's probably very familiar to most of you. Finally, stop right there. I imagine that there was a lot that came before that. I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to tell you. I done told you three times. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, why don't you go ahead and think about those things? Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, let's put those things in practice. And the God of peace will be with you. How many of you out there could use a whole lot of peace in these days? We're starting a series called Check Your Circle. Props to the creative team. Did you see the lobby with the hula hoops and the circles and the checks? They are amazing. I love it. I couldn't wait to start this series because I believe it's that important. Jeff loves a quote, and it goes something like this. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Do you realize you are known by the people that you choose to do your life with? You have influence in your circle. That is a big deal. Here's my question. What's your circle look like? How are you doing? Is my circle lovely or is it lame? And are we very lukewarm? Only you can answer that, but you have to be honest about it. Are you using your influence to help other people? Or are you using your influence to help yourself? Are you living the life that Jesus called you to? Or are you trying to make it the best you can on your own? Oh, church, you better check your circle. If the circle you are in is all about you, you need to check it. All we hear is what you deserve, your rights, your me time. I have never found that. Never have I found me time. If you are living life on your terms, can I just tell you, bless your heart. You must be exhausted. You are wearing yourself out. You have got to be miserable. <laughs> Trying to figure everything out on, everything out on your own is terrible. Making life all about you and how you feel and what you think and what your opinion is about whatever is trending, my Lord, 
You are on a never-ending quest to get people to think like you always. Always defending what you are saying, carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders and driving yourself and others nuts with your posts and your quirky little t-shirts. Calm down, Karen. Not you, Karen. We love you. The word that I have for you today is surrender. Everybody say it with me. Surrender. You don't have to figure not one thing out. Thank you, God. You were not created to save the world. Thank you, God. You were created to worship him. You were created to serve others. You were created to love people, and that's it. Nothing else. Love God, love your neighbor, and guess what? Everybody's your neighbor. You want to know where Jeff Lynch is right now? You want to know what it looks like to live a life of purpose? Before I show you this video, let me tell you about some of the things that he's told me about this week in Louisiana. See, God's doing something with Jeff. There's a, there's a burning in him to do something for people in disaster areas. So I get calls about Jackie. We were going to serve beans and rice like that's all we have. And people were lined up an hour before they were supposed to be here. Jackie, they don't have electricity. They don't have Facebook. They don't have hotels they can go to. He said, one guy pulled up, and if I'm honest with you, not exactly the guy I'd be hanging around with. Kind of scared me. Kind of scared me. And Jeff had done a beautiful wedding just before he left. You might see him in the back, the newlyweds, Gwen and, and uh, Josh. And they tried to give him money for the ceremony, and we gave it back to him. And the next day, they were in church. Got married on Saturday and church on Sunday. What's wrong with you people? And she gives me this big old hug, and I feel something go in my pocket. I said, Gwen, if that is that money. She said, it is. Love you. Bye. Knowing I'm not going to make a fool of myself out in front on the lawn. And so Jeff and I go to lunch, and I slip him the money. If I tell you it was $50, I would tell you it was a lot. It was a lot of money. So my husband takes it to Louisiana and cars are lined up as far as you can see. And my husband, six foot six, six, squats down and says, tell me what's going on. And the guy who looked very scary started to weep and said, I have nothing. My family has nothing. And my Jeff said, sweet thing. You want my air mattress? And he said, what you want me to do with your air mattress? I can't blow it up. And Jeff said, oh, yeah. And Jeff said, I emptied my wallet and I gave him every penny I had. And I get the opportunity to stand on the sidewalk and say to my Josh and my Gwen, you were in ministry with Jeff Lynch this week in Louisiana. I want you to watch this video. Hey, what's up guys? Jeff Lynch coming to you again from Southern Louisiana. We're down here in Houma, Louisiana. And I don't know if you can see behind me very well, but right behind me, we've got a couple of huge trees that are down. Uh, we are right here in the middle of a neighborhood where everywhere we look, there are trees down. You just wouldn't believe the damage. This house is standing behind us now. Um, the neighbor told me that during the, the uh, epicenter of the storm, the winds were blowing 150 miles an hour right into that house for three hours and then 120 miles an hour for another 12 hours. They were literally taking buckets of water and throwing out the back because the water was coming in so fast in the front. You can imagine with 12 hours of, of wind at that, at that force, water everywhere, how much damage has been done. Um, all over this area where we're going right now, you see blue tarps on roof. We went over a br big bridge earlier this morning. You can see down all over the area. All you see are blue tarps because of all of the holes. It's going to be months, maybe years for these folks to dig out. But uh, man, I thank God for God's pit crew and all the family that's down here from all over the United States. Man, we've seen people from, from lots of different states coming to help God's pit crew and just pitching in, getting along, man. Everybody gets along well. Everybody's working hard, uh, mucking out 
cutting trees, putting tarps on roofs. There are folks down here feeding people, all kinds of people coming and doing a lot of things. But you know, we've talked a lot of times about how everybody can't come. And you think, well, what can I do if I can't come? Well, you can be part of what makes all of this happen by going to GodsPitCrew.org. GodsPitCrew.org. You can read more about the ministry of God's Pit Crew. And you can also go there and donate. We would love for you to do that to make it possible to do more of these trips just like this to get people down here to help folks. Thanks for watching, man. Keep praying for everyone that's down here. We'll see you real soon. God bless you. So he calls me this morning and he said, will you please tell the church that I hate to be away from them? Like, I love them. Will you just tell them? And I said, I will. And I, something else I'm going to tell you too. He didn't tell me to tell you. So there's this lady that he said, if you can imagine the witch from Scooby-Doo. How does Jeff know about the witch from Scooby-Doo? And he said she has very long gray hair, and she's kind of bent over, and she's wearing him out while he's down there. And I said, what do you mean? She said she's an old Cajun woman, and she comes up to him, and she said, oh, Jeff, where are you from? You got that accent. Where are you from? And Jeff said, well, I'm from North Carolina, but I live in Virginia. She said, oh, you live next to them Blue Ridge Mountain. That's where you live, next to them Blue Ridge Mountain. I'm going to come see you, Jeff. I watch you every day. I talk about every day. I see you hunched down and talking to all the peoples. I just love it, Jeff. You know what? You a hillbilly. And Jeff said, are you a um, uh you coming to see me? She said, oh, yeah, it'd be fun to go down there and see you down in the mountain. Mm-hmm, you know, I'm going to give you some of them Boudreaux balls. He said, the what? Oh, Jeff, you just a hillbilly. I'll see you later. So understand that there's a lot of work being done in Louisiana, but there's a whole lot of ministry being done in Louisiana. So if you see the witch from Scooby-Doo, you know she belongs here. If your circle, is your circle excellent and praiseworthy, or is it just flat-out pitiful, y'all? Do you feel better after having been around your circle of folks, or are you just plain tired? I mean, has the negativity just worn you out yet? Have you had enough? So many people go through this life feeling the need to judge other people like it's their job. It is not your job. Your job, my sweet people, is to get the people as close to Jesus as you can, and then that's his job. He can deal with all the junk. So understand, you are officially off the hook. Jeff watched a movie called Hacksaw Ridge, and the main character's name was Desmond Doss. He's from Lynchburg, Virginia, and that boy had the nerve to tell me that he reminded me of me. I said, what you mean a man from Lynchburg in a war reminded you of me? And he said, Jack, there's, you remember, he said, there's this guy, and in the middle of everything, in the middle of the worst battle, as tough as it could be, he's crawling on his belly, going to get the wounded, pulling them to the edge, to the ridge, lowering them down. And in the movie, he takes a minute and says, thank you, God. Thank you, God. One more, Lord. Give me one more. And he goes, and he hears somebody cry out, medic, and he goes, and he gets him, and he pulls him, lowers him down the ridge, stops and says, thank you, God. Could you just give me one more? Went and got me a little tattoo so I can remember it. The thought that my husband says to me, that guy reminds me of you, only makes me want to go get one more, Lord. We need to climb off the high horses that we have put ourselves on. There, I said it. We ask Jesus to give us one more to use us. We flail on the altar and we say, Lord, why don't you ever use me? And then he says, go. And we say, "Mm, not that one. See, we don't like to get our hands dirty. We don't like it when things get messy and we have to spend time and listen to folks and hear their story and we sure don't have time to invest in people. We are busy with ourselves. That's just too much and we don't have time. Can't folk just do better? And what they mean by that is, can't you just do it like I do it? Newsflash here, people. Not everybody grew up like you did. Not everybody's got the raisins that you have. 
Not everybody thinks like you do. Life is not always an easy fix. But it sure is worth it to stop and dig in and put their hand into the hand of Jesus. Not come to church, you understand. Come meet this man that will pick you up and dust you off and remind you who you are and whose you are. You see, you're not of this world. You are not created to be of this world. The opinion and the approval should not come from this world. There's a man, and I know him well, and he's waiting on you. I've asked some people to come up uh, to illustrate. I'm a visual person, but I also like to hear something from somebody else's voice sometimes. Um, so I've asked them to come up, and I need you to pay attention. Give them your undivided attention. You got hammered at the bar on Saturday, but you came to church on Sunday. You can sit with me. You're right where you need to be. You're a drug addict, but came to church on Sunday. You can sit with me. You're right where you need to be. You're divorced, and the last church you attended condemned you for it. You can sit with me. You're right where you need to be. You've had an abortion, and it's slowly eating away at your heart, but you came to church on Sunday. You can sit with me. You're right where you need to be. You've been unfaithful to your spouse, but came to church on Sunday. You can sit with me. You're right where you need to be. Here's the thing. People don't come to church on Sunday for you to sit in the pew and quietly judge them because you feel that you're somehow better than them. People come to church because in their deepest, darkest, most painful moments, they heard about a man named Jesus that could save their soul and they'd like to know him. The man that just snorted cocaine off his kitchen table isn't a bigger sinner than you who told your boss a lie on Monday so you could leave work early. The woman that had an abortion 10 years ago isn't a bigger sinner than you who flipped a man off in traffic last week because he cut you off. The drunk man laying on the bar isn't a bigger sinner than you who occasionally has too much to drink at home in private. The woman who just got caught cheating on her husband isn't a bigger sinner than you who had sex with your now husband before you were married. Stop judging others because their sin is different than yours. Romans 3, 23-24 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. There isn't a person in this world too bad, too broken, too mean, or too damaged for Jesus to save. Romans 10:13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Y'all give them a round of applause. You're applauding that, but is that how it really is? I don't know about you, but several of those statements stepped on my toes big time. The third point is, is your circle practicing or are you just playing around with this Christianity? I was talking to some friends of mine the other day, and this is what they said to me. Well, when we go out and do those things that we aren't supposed to, we're not doing it as Christians. We're doing it as a group of friends. 
and Jeff was with me, and he said, like, what do you do? You just put Jesus on the shelf? And they went, yeah. And Jeff said, why in the world would you ever do that? And their answer was, so I can do what I want to do. Isn't that how most of us live our lives? Come on, y'all. You know it's true. You want a couple of examples? Okay. Well, here we go. Tell me where the fruits of the Spirit are represented in any of these scenarios. And while we, we, we assume that you already know, I had to look up one myself. I forgot gentleness, okay? So it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Be glad I didn't get Angela to do the dance. Nowhere in the Bible do I see Jesus judging or canceling anybody. He is a God of never-ending chances, always forgives, always loves. Does your circle gossip about whichever one isn't there that day? If they don't show up, are you following up with them to make sure they're okay? Do you allow other people to speak badly about those in your circle? He never got out his laptop and commented on Facebook or Instagram posts that he didn't agree with. He met people right where they were, and he loved them right where they were. Never condemned anybody. Are you and the members of your circle cyber warriors? Always posting political stuff, government stuff, crude jokes, stupid memes. Would people know you from social media as a follower of Jesus? Or would they see that you're much more concerned with the things of this world? Jesus was focused on his purpose. The devil tried to tempt him, but Jesus gave, went right back at him with scriptures. Do we even read our Bibles anymore? Do we even know the scriptures? Are we completely ignorant about this Jesus that we claim to love? Do we even know who he is? Jesus prayed and kept in constant communication with his father. Do we take the time out of our day to pray to God? to thank him, to cry out to him, or is he your genie in the bottle when things get kind of tough? Does he even know who you are? If someone looked at your bank account and saw how you spent your money, would they know that your priority is that of a life of generosity? Would they see you being charitable and using the money that God blesses you with to bless other people? Is your circle encouraging you to do that? The way you spend your time, are you influencing others around you? Do you make time for them, their needs, their wants? Yesterday, our church should have been full of people making COVID care boxes and hero boxes. It should have been full of people cleaning the church. We should never have to wonder if we're going to have enough people to serve anywhere in our church. Has he done something for you? Have you forgotten Is your circle of friends encouraging you to walk with Jesus? Do they remind you who you are and who you are, whose you are? Do they remind you often that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Or do they put you down to make themselves feel better? Is your circle co-signing your stuff? Is there no accountability? Do they keep your secrets or do they check you? Do they raise you up? Do they have your very best interest at heart? Do they really love you? Y'all, we've got to start today. I heard someone say, if you lay down with dogs, you get the fleas. I'm not interested in that. No, thank you. My circle of influence is going to love Jesus with their heart, their soul, their strength, and their mind. And we're going to love each other. And we're going to love each other well. And we're going to pray for each other. And take care of each other. And we're going to leave this world better than how we found it. And we're going to be about our Father's business as we try to take care of those that are sent our way. We're going to read our Bibles together so that we know who it is that we are worshiping. We are going to serve. We are going to take care of our bodies so that we will be a force to be reckoned with for a long time to come. We are going to love people right where they are, and we are going to beg God for divine encounters on a daily basis. 
the love of God and the healing and restoration that he has given to us was not just for us. And we're going to get them as close to Jesus as we can get them. We will not be a stumbling block for anybody because our actions are going to line up with what comes out of our mouth. We are going to worship and pray together, but we're also going to do that separately. We're going to be very generous in our giving, knowing that everything we have is from him, and we're going to hold it till he directs us where to take it. We're going to forgive and love and forgive and love and forgive and love and testify and minister to and get out of our comfort zone and proclaim the goodness of God because it's in our DNA. You do realize that. You were made in his image. It's our calling. As much as it was on 9-11, our world is still under attack. We absolutely have an enemy. And he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And I don't know about you, but if I'm honest with you, seems like he might have the upper hand. But we are called and equipped and anointed to do the extraordinary. I'll say that again. We are called, equipped, and anointed to do the extraordinary. We are commissioned to do great things. We are the Lord's army. And he is counting on us. We have to get out from behind our phones and our laptops and our TVs and actually do something. We are difference makers. We have to raise up warriors to help us in this fight. No longer can we allow ourselves to be consumed with ourselves. No longer can it be just about us. No longer can we sit by idly and allow this to go on. When is someone going to do something? I had a conversation with one of my children on Patty's back porch yesterday. Now, I love this boy. I love him. Lord knows I love this child. And the very fact that he still has breath in his lungs should prove to you that I believe in Jesus. And he's not sure. You see, he's still figuring out some things about this whole Jesus thing. He says things to me like, Mom, you deserve all the credit for raising us by, by yourself. And I say, Cameron, Cameron, I couldn't do one thing on my own. It was only by the grace of God that we got through this. It is only by the grace of God that the three of you are not a statistic. It has nothing to do with anything I ever did. I was sitting across the table from a beautiful single mama, tears streaming down her face, and she says to me, I have not always been the best mama. And I said to her, who has? Where's the manual? We do the very best that we can, and we pray to God, please, Lord, fill in the gaps. Help me, Lord. Guide me, Lord. I don't want credit for any of it. You see, this generation that's coming up is making me feel like they just don't know. And if they just don't know, who's gonna tell them? You see, my, my son says, oh, I, I want to live a life of free will. You can do that. You can do that and still be a Christian. Matter of fact, you have to. And he said, why? And I said, Cam, if God put it in us, a microchip in us that said, you will obey what good is that doing? If you choose him, if you choose to follow him, if you choose to accept that he gave everything for you, that's a little better than uh, obligatory. When I try to tell people what it's like to be a follower of Jesus, when I try to tell people it's not as regulatory, there's not rules, you don't get hooked down, it's not um, handy, it's not, um, 
You're not strapped down. It's not, you have all the free will in the world. It's not a heavy obligation. It's not any of those things. And they don't believe me. So this morning I was in bed and I thought, Lord, you got to give me a visual. You got to give me a visual of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You don't have to wear the ugly shoes. You don't have to have the, the fish on the back of your car. You don't have to have any of those things. But before I show you this video, I need to know who it's for. So if you are a single mama, I'm going to ask you to stand up. If you are a single dad, I'm going to ask you to stand up. If you are the child of a single parent, I'm going to ask you to stand up. There should be a lot of people standing up right now. If you are an educator, you should stand up. If you are in the ministry, you should stand up. If you're in law enforcement, stand up. If you're a coach, stand up. If you're a parent at all, stand up. If you are a child of a parent, stand up. If you are a follower of Jesus, you should stand up. Everyone in this room should be on their feet. What I mean to tell you is this video that you're getting ready to see, you are somewhere in that video. You're either on the sidelines watching what's going on and you're not involved at all, but you see and you know. Then you have a decision to make. Or you're the guy that's on the back of the guy that's actually doing something. We love to take credit for the things that our circle is doing, but we're really not involved. We're really not involved, but my circle did it, so I'm going to go ahead and, whoo, yes, I did. No, you didn't. Or you're the one with the guy, you're the guy with the blindfold that's doing the work, killing it, crushing it, believing that he can. That's okay. That's where I think I am too. Or you're the coach. You're the coach, and you've done the hard work, and you've put in the grit and the grind, and you got to show it to somebody else. I'm going to ask you to stay on your feet as we watch this video. So, Coach, how strong is Westview this year? A lot stronger than we are. You already written Friday night down as a lost Brock? Well, not if I know we could beat him. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. <laughs> what, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. The 50? I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You going to give me your best? I'm going to give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do it blindfolded. Why? Because I don't want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. I get a good tight hold, Jeremy. All right. Let's go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground. Just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go. Show me good effort. That way, Brock. You keep coming. There you go. It's a good start. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go, Brock. Good strength. That's it, Brock. That's it. Not the 20 yet? Forget the 20. You give me your best. You keep going. That's it. No, don't stop, Brock. You got more in you than that. How you done? Just rest in a second. You gotta keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Don't quit till you got nothing left. There you go. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Your very best. Your very best. Your very best. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. Don't quit on me. Keep going. Keep driving it. Keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. That's it. Your very best. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Don't quit till you got nothing left. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. I want everything you got. Come on. Keep going. It hurts. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. 
He's heavy. I know he's heavy. I'm buying out of strength. Then you negotiate with your body to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going, you hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. It hurts. I know it hurts. You keep going. You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. Burn. And let it burn. It burn. It's all hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Come on. Keep going. You promised me your best. You're back. Don't stop. Keep going. Too hard. It's not too hard. You keep going. Come on, Brock. Give me more. Give me more. Keep going. 20 more steps. 20 more. Keep going, Brock. Give me your best. Don't quit, no! Keep going! Keep going! Keep going! Don't quit! Don't quit! Don't quit! Brock Kelly, you don't quit! Keep going! Keep going! Go, Brock Kelly! You don't quit on me! No! You keep going! You keep going! Go, Brock! Ten more steps! Ten more! Ten more! Ten more! Keep going! Don't quit! Give me your Look up, Brock. You're in the end zone. Brock, you are the most influential player on this team. If you walk around defeated, so will they. Don't tell me you can't give me more than what I've been seeing. You just carried a 140-pound man across this whole field on your arms. Brock, I need you. God's gifted you with the ability of leadership. Don't waste it. Coach? Can I count on you? Yes. Coach? What is it, Jeremy? I wear 160. can be seated. Who's watching you? Who's watching you? Who's watching you? The thing that I saw the most in the video was all the people squawking. You can't do it. Let's watch him fall on his face. It's never going to happen. And the more he pushed, the quieter they got. And then they had to stand up to see what he was doing. Who's watching you? Never give up. Who's watching you? If your circle is not encouraging you to be the very best that you can be, to give it all you've got, if they don't encourage you, if they're not rooting you on, if they're not cheering you on, if they're not gut-checking you and driving you toward Jesus, check your circle. My God, check your circle. If your circle's not serving, they're not giving, they're not praying, they're not reading their Bible, and they sure don't care about you, check your circle. Who is watching you? Who are you aligning your life with? Who are you pushing to be better than they ever thought they could ever be? You are that coach. First, you got to be the guy on the back. Then you got to be the guy putting the work in. Then you're the one that's just in the. When he says, You're in, I got to be on the 50. I got to be on the 50. Son, you're in the end zone. And then the guy says, Who's next? God's counting on you. You're the most influential person. What are you doing with the influence that you have? Who are you bringing along with you? Who's watching you? And what are you doing about it? Can we pray for a minute? God, I thank you for that video. I thank you for that video. You know that I was praying to you this morning, give me something. Give me some kind of visual that shows people what it means to follow Jesus. 
It's not the overwhelming, unhappy, um, grudgingly person that, that sings the old songs and, and wears their hair to the floor. And it's not any of that. It's not any of that. It's every day we get up and we choose to give you everything that we have. We give you everything. We lay all of it down and say, God, I don't know what to do with this. I have no idea what to do with this. And the voices of the world are so loud. God, please be louder than them. Please, God, talk to me. And if you need to use my circle, God, I thank you for that. I thank you for that. Help me find a circle that says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Help me find a circle that says you're already forgiven. Help me find a circle that says he's counting on you and the gifts and the talents that you have to do amazing, extraordinary things. He's counting on you to rise up to be the warrior that he created you to be so that other people will know and shut their mouth and follow you. But to do that, God, our mouth and our actions have to line up. And we cannot ever put you on a shelf to do the things that we want to do and be a stumbling block for anybody. When we have met the risen Savior, when the Lion of Judah has looked directly into our eyes and we see his hair blowing and we know that he's there to protect and guide and correct and all of those things, we can no longer put him on a shelf to do the things that we want to do. And I'll take it one better. We don't want to do the things that we used to do anymore. And we sure don't want anybody else following us down that path. When are we going to be the people that God created us to be? When is the church, the body of believers, those that follow Jesus, when are they going to rise up to be the people that they were created to be? Not of this world. I told Cameron yesterday, son, I'm just passing through. I'm just passing through. God, help us. Help us to have godly relationships. Help us to have godly desires, godly aspirations, godly goals. Help us, God. Cheer us on as we reach the 20-yard line, the 30-yard line, the 50-yard line. Keep talking to us, God, because there's no other way that we can do it unless you're right there with us. Please, God, let us be the example in this church, in this city, in this town, to the world that we're going to follow Jesus. We're going to do the hard stuff. We are going to be the example. We're going to dig our heels in, and we're going to love other people. God, let it be today that we keep playing around with this thing of Christianity and we don't do the things that we want to do and we make it all about you, God. Just like 9-11, there's this pandemic and it wants to divide and separate and polarize, but there's always been you and you're always the uniter. You're always the one that we should keep our eyes focused on. You're always the one that makes everything okay. Nothing that we do in our own strength makes anything any better. But boy, when we say to you, Lord, help me. Lord, Lord, help me. Use me. Give me the strength that I need to do the things that you've called me to do. Everything changes. The atmosphere changes. The voices of the world are not quite so loud. People are standing up watching what we're doing, wondering what in the world are those people doing now. And then it's all that they can do to be a part of it. Our churches should be full Our churches should be full so that our pastors can equip the saints to do the ministry. God, today you have shown us and told us what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to have influence in our circle. God, help us to do the things that you've called us to do. It is in the sweet name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.